Hello there. Welcome to another episode of The Root of All Ashley. Whether you're yet another victim trapped under the hypnosis that is my cringe-worthy voice, someone that is lost looking for directions, or just a figment of my imagination, I'm glad you're listening. I'm Ashley, and this is my co-host, Adriana, who is under no circumstances being forced to do this against his will. Say hello, not help, to the people, Adriana. I have blinked twice, just wanting to say hi. It's not a cry for help or anything. How are you? I don't know. I'm neutral. How are you today? Uh, no complaints. Life is good. I really have, uh, yeah, everything is really good. I caught you off guard with my response. I kind of felt you giggling over there, so it's okay. No, no, I, I expected a typical Adriana response. Just it's, it's like to be expected, but yet it's unexpected. Of course, that's what I do. I mean, that's, you know, like that's your nice way of saying I caught you off guard. Duly noted. So, and so how is life treating you these days? I'm mean, pretty good. Nothing to seriously complain about. I still like the new job. It's it's so great on my mental health. It's a lot better than where I was at before. Um, I got a pretty decent reality check to this past weekend. I went to Universal Studios slash Islands Adventure because a Christmas gift to myself and my husband, I bought us uh, annual passes. And I haven't been in years, so I was very excited to go. And then, you know, it was fun most of the day, and then the last part of the day, like, my, it just was completely ruined, and I hate it. And, of course, you know I'm going to ask you, you know, to expound on that a little bit because this is a show, so people want to know, you know, the life and times of Ashley Majestic. So, you know, if you want to talk about it, by all means, we're all ears. So, and, and like, how am I going to expand? Okay, basically, I am a bigger person. Am I very, very big? No, I think I'm just, like, chunky, uh, you know, and I'm also tall, so it kind of balances out. So... You know, for pretty much most of the day, I was able to get on so many rides and the 3D rides and not, et cetera. I never had an issue. And, you know, with my chest size, I am also a part of the big titty committee. So I'm surprised. Like, so when I had to get a harnesses on my chest area, sometimes I had to push down a little bit extra because uh, the chest is like stopping this. And then I'm pretty much suffocating the entire ride because they have forced them down. Well,. So there's a ride at the Harry Potter Amazing or the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and it's the Hagrid ride. I remember years ago that they said that there was a weight thing on it. I completely forgot what I went. So my husband and our friend get on one uh, thing, and they're already going. And then my other friend and I were getting on the next one. Well, when I go to put push it down, it's pretty far down. I mean, it's not like tight or anything i mean it's but it should do the job well they told me oh can we push it down or no my legs are literally there stopping it i cannot push it down anymore so they had me get off and my friend get off and so i'm like oh great they're gonna fact test me and so i get it i'm too big for the ride you know i have a stomach that's fair that's on me that's my own health and my concerns that is not on universal they're not fat shaming me or anything like that what i have the issue is is that when they go take you to the thing which is pretty much a replica of the vehicle that you're going to be on for the ride 
it's not in a room by itself or off to the side where no one's going to see you. No, they take you all the way. They pull you aside in front of people. And then the replica is literally in one of the big rooms where there's lines of people waiting. So they're basically fat testing you in front of a bunch of people that are clearly seeing what's going on. And that was the humiliating part is, you know, my friend and I, we got onto it. She can fit. I cannot. Like, there's like just barely. So I'm pretty sure if I drop like a few pounds, I could probably fit in it. But it's the fact is that they're like, okay, well, let's try this other way. I'm like, no, I get it. I'm too big to ride this ride. It's fine. Because at this point, I'm just, I'm on the brink of tears because it's really humiliating. And again, if this was like in a room by itself, I could usually laugh it off and I could joke with the employee. But the fact is that there was a lot of people like literally around us and people were looking. That's what was embarrassing for me. And I hated that. So once again, there's no problem on Universal itself, but it's the way that like you really like, do you think people are stupid? They don't know what you're doing when you're taking them to go sit on a replica to make sure you can fit it's not registering you know especially in the day of technology people can record you take pictures and they can laugh at you and that's what sucks so that pretty much ruined like i had such a great day i found i got a wand and all this other stuff and it just kind of killed it for me and i so i walked out to the exit waiting for because i told my friend to go back on the ride don't not ride it because of me they gave us express passes and whatnot, which is, it's still, it doesn't really fully make up for the humiliation. And so I wait by the exit for my husband and our two friends. And then we walk around, we did another ride, and I kind of felt a little bit better. On our way out, we decide, let's go ride the Hulk. And again, I've been on other rides that day. No issues. So we go to ride the Hulk, and I go to sit down. And the seats, they're not that wide. They're meant for someone clearly skinny. And so when I go sit down, it's like my hips are wide. But it's like I couldn't sit in it. And I just look at the attendant. I'm like, uh, do you guys have seats meant for people with wide hips? Or is this for children? And I said that like in a joking way, not like condescending or you know, like a Karen, and he just kind of froze on the spot, and I get it, he's like a kid, and he doesn't really know, and he's like, uh, well, um, you really can't sit in it, and I just look at him, I'm like, bro, I went to sit down, and like, I was literally sitting on top of this seat, I'm like, dude, the, the, these hips, they're not lying, okay, they are not lying, <laughs> and again, I get it, I'm a bigger person, I can pass this stuff off as a joke, and he's sitting there fumbling, and at this point, people are looking, which is, again, this is the part that gets humiliating. So he's like, uh, well, uh, we can have you stand off to the side and try, and we'll find you another seat, which means that they're going to have me constantly sit down into a seat trying to find the wider seats until I can fit. Which is, I mean, I get, maybe you're a newbie, maybe you really don't know, so you don't know which seats are meant to be for bigger people. But at this point, again, humiliated, people are staring, and then if, for me to do it that way because you don't know, People are going to see me constantly be fact-checked until I find a seat that works for me. So immediately, I was like, you know what? I get the hint, and I immediately walked off. Like, I got off the ride, and I went towards the exit. You know, ha uh, my husband, our friend, and our two friends, they stayed. Well, my my friend, she got off to come with me. And I told her, I was like, dude, go back on the ride. Don't worry about me. And so she was being a good friend, and she stayed with me. 
and the girl that attended that week had the exit, I can tell she felt really bad, and she was very sincere, she's like, oh, no, you can sit in the front row, like, they're, they're wider, and she's like, I get it, she's like, I'm, I'm bigger too, she's like, but I know I fit there, and we're about the same size, so I know you'll fit, and I was like, I, I said, I really don't care, I don't, I said, the, the mood's really done for me, I don't want to be here anymore, and so that's, that's like the buzzkill for me, is, you know, I, I repeat myself, it's my own health, it's my own fault to a degree, to a really high degree of my own health, you know, because there's no underlying health issues for myself where I couldn't just lose the weight and exercise more, so I could, but I just haven't, and so I'm, I'm in the position that I am because of my own choices, but it's just the way that employees and Universal cho- choose to handle these situations, it's it's really humiliating, and it just doesn't feel good, and it just ruins the whole day, especially when you spend a lot of money to be there to have fun, and then these moments happen, and it just kills it. And it is really a sad state of affairs that, you know, they don't have the, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, being taught the proper social way how to handle situations like this, and, you know, for them to kind of not necessarily give the cold shoulder, but just kind of freeze up and not know how to react. That's just a whole another story. Um, I'm not going to say, oh my God, I sympathize with you or try to make it about me or anything of the sort. That situation is, is what it is. It, it's horrible. And I wish I had some kind of response to that. Um, I've been never put in that situation. I mean, there are other situations that I've been put in but not necessarily about weight, but about race, but that's another topic for another day. Um, so I, 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 you know, I can sympathize with you, you know, but I just wish more places had more precautionary measures on how to deal with something like this, because I've seen you, you know, you're not a quote unquote big woman or anything of the sort, and I dare not touch the titty comment, no. Um, but other than that, um, you know, th- you know that, th- that's just my stance on it. Um, I could play devil's advocate and it turned into a whole humongous discussion, you know, but we've we've had that discussion before. Society has that discussion before, and it's just pretty much pointless. Such as society is pointless. But so, yeah, I appreciate appreciate the comment there. And so how do I I had the words and I forgot about them. So. Again, it's it was just it was a humbling yet humiliating experience, and I mean I've already gotten back on that. I've been going back to the gym for the last month. I've been feeling good, and that kind of made me feel like worse. Uh, I've been up and down with my weight since I was a teenager. My skinniest years was when I was like eighteen to twenty. Then I met my husband, and I got married, and I got fat and happy. And my weight has been up and down since. I lost a lot of weight when I had COVID late last summer. I lost about 35 pounds because I wasn't eating because I really couldn't eat. And I lost a lot of weight in that month because I had it bad, like real bad. I went to the hospital. And so from how it was explained to me by a doctor is how quickly I put back on weight plus a little bit more was as soon as like my body had recovered enough that I was slight, semi back to normal, uh, basically my body went into a panic mode that it didn't want me to experience what I experienced and starving and it just kind of, so subconsciously my mind and body was like I was stress eating 
that was, and I didn't really realize it until November. It was probably like early, mid-November that I realized I was stress eating a lot. I was just eating. And I wasn't caring about portions or nothing. I just wanted to eat. And so I finally kind of knocked myself out of it in November. And I've been a lot better. And especially now, and even it's cool that my coworkers and I, we, we were very healthy during the week. We drink water. We have like a water challenge that at certain times of the day, we all check in to see how far our water has gone because we all have like the big bottles and or some of us have the big bottles, some of them have smaller, but we pretty much check in and the idea, we're giving it like another week or two because it's the new year. We're getting accustomed to drinking more water. So I think it's like in a week or two, we're going to do the water challenge that certain times of the day we check in with each other and someone hasn't met the goal of their water we're gonna have like what's considered you know like a swear jar it's gonna be the water jar if you didn't meet the goal you're putting a dollar into the jar and when that jar gets full we'll all go out and that jar will help cover dinner Hmm. or something like that i really actually like that idea yeah, except for I'm one of the people that's not that great with water. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing better, but it takes me a because like, I drink primarily iced coffee in the mornings, but I'm a slow drinker, so that iced coffee will last me well into the afternoon, and because I'm so focused on drinking that, I forget to keep drinking my water that's next to it, so I've been slacking, and yet I'm the one that came up with this idea, so... When I come back, because I'll be gone for two weeks to do training somewhere else, when I come back, they're all still going to be going hard on the water challenge. I'm like, yay, water swear jar. <laughs> well, my whole opinion on that, and of course, that, you know, that's a really good motivator, obviously. But my view on it is different. Um, I view weight and weight loss and being quote-unquote overweight. To me, it's like art. It, it is subjective. It's truly subjective. Um, because, you know, once again, I'm going to use that buzzword, you know, society and social media tries to tell us what we're supposed to look like, how skinny we're supposed to be and everything of that nature. Um, to me, I don't see weight just like I don't see color. You know, if you are comfortable in your own skin and if you're confident in who you are or, you know, if you're just an all around good person, which is subjective. I can care. I can care less if you're 100 or 500 pounds, as long as you're happy with who you are. Um, you can be a quote-unquote heavier person and still be healthy, versus weighing 120 pounds, ripped muscle, and you can, you know, still have bad health depending upon how you take care of yourself. So, if you go out of your way to lose weight just because society tells you to, in my opinion, that's not being healthy. But once again, I have been on both sides of the spectrum. I've been 90 pounds soaking wet. I've been almost 300 pounds. So I can honestly speak on on both sides. Um, I've been heavy and healthy and happy. I've been skinny, healthy and happy also. So to me, it just you know, to me, it's just all subjective. See, I get it. we're being like being bigger. I can see there's people that are severely obese, um, and that can be considered a little unhealthy. But you know, that's always their own business, and there's no judgment here. But for me, you know, I'm junky, and you know, some between junky and fat, I'm like right there in that little spectrum. Well, I'm completely healthy though. Uh, I don't have any heart problems. I have. Uh, I'm not pre-diabetic. 
like pretty much I have a clean bill of health besides my mental health at least I'm just oh, slightly overweight that's the only thing my, my last moment to the doctor last year that had a comment for me was that's it like I don't have any health issues it's just I'm a little overweight because I'm tall I'm like 5'9 so where someone that's shorter than me that's my weight they're more wider or me uh, you know looking from the side you know it, it, I don't look that big or whatever depending on the angle you look at I don't look that big so I have that for me at least and I don't know I, I hate going shopping for clothes as well because my husband you know he's skinny and so he likes going to the outlets and let's go shopping because we're bored let's go buy clothes and you know because it's something new we're bored let's go walk around a mall let's go do something and we always end up buying clothes and my husband can find clothes like it's nothing and then for me i go into all these name brand stores and they are supposedly you know plus friendly and they're really not or they're not even plus friendly at all so i always say how they're not skinny bitch friendly or they're not fat bitch friendly which you know again it's it's down to my own health but I just hate it that I have to go to certain select stores to get something comfortably in my size. But then sometimes the fashion taste doesn't look that good. Or if it is really fashionable, it is super expensive. Which just is so irritating. So it's like, listen, I am trying to be skinny. I'm sorry that I'm not super motivated and committed where I fall off the wagon a lot. But I am trying to help a bitch out. But alas... No bitches are helped out. Well, it, it is a really sad state of affairs to know that this particular generation now embraces, you know, quote unquote, all shape sizes nowadays. Um, in the previous generations, um, being a bigger person, it was frowned upon. You know, it was looked upon as unhealthy, looked upon as gross, and, and everything in between. Um, so they really didn't focus on, quote unquote, big and tall stores or husky or anything like that. You had to order your special clothes, tailor-made, um, because it was just frowned upon. So nowadays, with the generation being what it is, they embrace it more. And unfortunately, the clothes are more expensive, you know, because you have, you know, all these, you know, all these specialty stores, which it really shouldn't be. But once again, another topic for another day. You know, like Torrid uh, for bigger clothes, or Catherine's for bra shops, or Lane Bryant. Um, you know, for clothes and lingerie. Um, there should be more. It's just the society is now just slower on the uptake when it comes to embracing larger sized people. And I view that to me because if you do your research, um, you know, back in the middle, the middle Ages, they would view a bigger woman as, you know, as a natural look because that's what it was back then in that particular time. Larger women were considered natural. Skinnier women were viewed upon as horrid and disgusting and, and, and disfigured. So it's kind of ironic how the roles are reversed and it took all these years, all these generations now to accept, in my opinion, the way a real woman, a real woman should look. Yeah, and it's not shaming anyone that's skinny or fat. It's like dictated like back then where like you said, it's you know, they're skinny, they're starved, they're sickly, they're not they're not healthy. 
and someone that was more plump, if not plus, that considered like, you know, a sign of wealth, that they're well taken care of, that they're healthy, um, you know, they could bear children, however things were viewed back then. And then you see the historical shows and movies nowadays, and they're all very beautiful, um, certainly certain type bodily shapes. And I get it, it's Hollywood and, and whatnot. And I'm not trying to be some rep for bigger women because I don't really have like a strong saying either way. Like, you know, don't don't shame anyone for their look and their size, of course. Um, I, you can't dictate if someone's healthy or not unless, you know, you're the doctor and you're clearly seeing them in private. And I'm all about, you know, obviously the representation have bigger girls you can have super skinny girls you know because some people some girls just have a fast metabolism my husband personally he's skinny him he's like an inch taller than me and he is skinny you know not like stick figure skinny but he's on the skinny side if he goes to the gym for two weeks he's like all muscly but he has a fast metabolism and so a lot of people that are skinny have fast metabolisms doesn't mean that they're sick they just burn everything off they can go to a donut store eat every single donut that there is and they might gain you know, half a calorie, half that, and, you know, I have a friend, she had a baby, and not even a day later, it's not like, it, she didn't look like she ever had a kid, and then there's women that just can't take the baby weight off, or it takes a long time, so, it's just, when it comes to body stuff, it's so complicated, and again, I'm not trying to be an expert, or uh, represent, or do anything like that, I just put, like, my own opinion out there, and again, not shaming anybody, but being a person in today's society is just rough. Because you don't know what you're saying is right or wrong. Uh, you know, are you accepted? Are you included? Is someone being sassy to you or is they being genuine? I think, like, right now it's just very confusing. Without talking about anything in depth, it's very confusing. And the mental health is a big, important thing. So... That's why, like, I'm trying to exercise more. Well, I've been getting out for it. Can I go straight to the gym and just walk and get on the treadmill or elliptical? I haven't touched the weights yet. And it just kind of, I vibe with the music, and it just kind of takes my mind away from it. And, again, I feel happier. I'm starting to be a little bit more appreciative. I think after the holidays, my mental health is coming back a little bit from the darker side. That usually happens. And... Again, like, I was just thinking about this today while I was at work. I'm in a really good place. The place where I work at, even, I remember, it's like, oh, well, because you're still new. No, the place I worked at last time, even when I was new, it was horrible from the get-go. But it was a banking job. I was getting my foot in the door with something for a career. I was getting paid really well. So I didn't make complaints, and I didn't want to leave. But... Holy crap, was it a big black and white difference between the last bank I was at and then where I'm at now. It's how they, how the employees are treated, how they want them to treat the members. They, they legit don't view the customers, clients, members, however you want to associate them with, as numbers. Whereas the bank I worked at before, it was other people can wait in line, make the sale. You know, you always had to make a sale. Every single person you're talking to, you always had to make some kind of appointment, some kind of referral. Every time you were with somebody, if you didn't get anything out of that person, you were not good at your job, basically. It was constant micromanaging, um, insults. Uh, it was, you were treated like children. 
and it's so demeaning and on top of that then you have nothing but a lot of clients that were just horrible people that were just rude and nasty so you have both of these things coming at you and you're just trying to live your life and be a good person and then everyone's just kind of it just felt really bad i had probably three severe mental breakdowns at that job and uh, i had the the last one i had i decided to take two days off because i was bad and luckily during those two days i just happened to apply where i'm at now the very the second day i was off i had an interview i was given the offer immediately like not even 30 minutes after it so i'm in a really good place job wise i'm in a nice home nice area i mean i don't really have any complaints which makes me very terrified because i'm usually not this happy for very long because then the other shoe will drop so i'm very skeptical and i'm just wondering with squinty eyes oh. what the fuck is the universe about to, to deliver it really took me a while personally to alter my way of thinking not necessarily alter it but just you know kind of evolve it same thing um i had to really take a step back and look at everything around me and i mentioned this so many times at nauseam that i really had to take a step back and strip down everything to its bare bones meaning that i wake up and i appreciate just the little things and everything around me because i understand that anything can happen and it can go in an instant just like you i waited for the other shoe to drop because slowly but surely everything fell into place mid last year and it's been going swimmingly ever since and it took me a couple of times where you sit around and you're thinking everything is going really good something has to screw up i really had to take a step back and just go nope it's not going to happen i'm going to enjoy it for what it is if something goes wrong then i'll deal with it when it happens until then i'm going to remain happy the whole way and of course your your job is one of it you know you have to have a good high staff morale you know have a good feeling a good environment to keep that good feelings going when you come home you have a have a great husband a very supportive husband so that's another positive in your favor you're you know your animals that love you another strong positive instead of waiting for the other shoe to drop because there is no other shoe just try to enjoy it as much as you can because that old phrase it can always be worse but i don't rely on that i don't look at what ifs I just accept it how it happens. I am much happier, and I feel I live longer for it. Hmm. See, I think it's easier said than done like that for me. I get what you're saying, and I am trying to live that way. I mean, it's not like every day I'm thinking, oh, God, what's about to happen? But the self-confidence is not really fully behind me just yet. But again, it's like a, it's like a week-by-week thing. It's getting better. Do I have my really dark times where I fall backwards? Of course, that happens more than anything. But, again, I'm trying to do things healthier for me because that was, like, one of my New Year's resolutions. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to the gym and I'll let stay strong. It wasn't anything, like, super uh, distinguished. It was, I was going to be healthier this year. I was going to work to be healthier, which means for my mental health and my overall health, like, physical as well. So, drink more water. Try to watch my portions. Eat a little bit healthier, you know. Keep myself, like, maybe the weekend's... I can treat myself a little bit to, if I want, like a milkshake or something, that's fine. But, you know, during the week, you know, try to do, like, be as best as I can, um, when when I can be. 
and not overdo it. Don't immediately dive straight into the deep end of it. Just ease my way in it and be keep to my comfort level. Because if I, I've learned that sometimes I would just drive, dive straight in and it didn't work out for me. I would be fine for a month and then the next month I got straight out and I fell off the wagon and it would be bad. I was just due to complete reverse of all the progress I made. So now it's just going, you know, easy does it and see how it goes. And the goal is for me is that by the end of this year, I want to ride the damn Hagrid ride. And I'll be like, fuck you, Universal. I have faith that you will. Matter of fact, I cannot wait to see the pictures of you flipping the bird off the camera for people who are taking pictures of you on that ride. So, oh, God, I, yeah. I, I de- definitely will do that. I definitely look forward to that. And I think something like that, um, the way the way you see yourself and how you perceive yourself, I think that goes way back to, to actually your childhood. I know it does for me and a whole lot of other people. And I know you touched on a little bit earlier, so I'm going to hand the topic off to you, you know, just to kind of... St- go to the next uh, point of the show you talked about childhood and you know and how you're affected to this day so what are your best memories of your childhood see that was the initial topic of this because we didn't do it last week and this was the initial topic of this week's and as we got into universal and body image issues i'm like man we're going off course again which is pretty much what the show is but i was like sitting here thinking we're gonna try to do it again next week so i don't know well you're talking about childhood drama and there's boys there are plenty of it so there's a lot of good memories like for instance um for me like a core memory for me is the christmases with my parents is I would have, you know, it would be the around the tree, and there's literally layers of presents going out from the tree. It's a pile. It's not like, oh, there's 12 gifts. No, there'd be like 20 to 30 presents under that tree from Santa, from my parents, or from grandparents, stuff like that. And I remember talking to my dad several times about this because he would like to say, oh, every year we always spend like a thousand dollars like on you and your brother each for to make sure you guys have really great Christmases. I told my dad, it's not, I do appreciate that. You guys did a lot because all year long, because we, I didn't grow up in a super rich household. My mom would be like a waitress or a server or a customer service. She had like low income jobs. And my dad was a truck driver, and like a local truck driver, not over the road. So he only made so much. So my parents did the best they could. Now, I told my parents, like, like, during the year, there was never really a lot. But when it came down to, like, my birthday and Christmas, they always did the best they could, which is very, like, was a lot. But I don't remember a lot of the toys. I don't remember every toy they bought me, and a lot of those toys are gone. They were either broken, they were donated, trashed, whatever. You know, so they don't work. But I have the memories. I have the memories of on the weekends, my parents taking my brother and I and, like, maybe our friends to the park. And I'm, and like, I'm playing tag with all the kids on the playground. I remember the first time we actually went to Universal Studios. And, you know, I still remember, you know, actually us driving around the loopy road to go to the parking garage. But as driving, we're listening to, it's like a country song. And I know what country song it is still to this day. 
just like all these things I remember doing with my parents. Um, I think our first vacation was staying in a hotel for a weekend, and we just went to Vero Beach, which is only like an hour drive from where we lived, but that was a vacation for me. So it's all these things I remember, and it's not the toys. So for me, so, you know, and you have a, a child, and I'm sorry for that, that you have a child, but when... I want to ask you like some of your favorite core memories, but I also want to ask you since you are a parent, is there anything like specific, or was it just kind of going along with you know the show when as you're raising your son? And not saying you grew up bad or anything like that, but was there anything that how you were parented that when you wanted to parent, like when you're parenting your son, that you wanted to do differently? Oh, absolutely. Uh, growing up, it was uh, myself and my siblings. Um, you know, myself, my younger brother, my older sister, my older brother. Um, it was my mother. She was the mother and the father of the family. She worked nights at the hospital and she had to play both roles. And it was not very easy because, you know, we grew up poor, shocker, shocker. And we actually, we learned to appreciate each other. We didn't have a lot. We barely had anything, but my mother raised us to appreciate once again, the little things. Uh, Christmases are, are, you know, were what they were. We didn't get a lot, of course. And we didn't really complain about it. Of course I had in my mind as a child what I wanted a certain action figure or a certain toy or a certain game. I didn't get. But I appreciated the fact that my mom busted her ass just to get food on the table. So, and she taught us it is mainly the spirit a family, not necessarily Christmas, not necessarily birthday or Easter or anything of the sort. It was a family togetherness. So my best memory of my family was we'd sit around and play board games. We'd play Monopoly for hours or we'd play Nintendo for hours or just Simon Says. Just little bitty things like that that made our family stronger. So we fast forward to years later and we can sit around and have those conversations to where... For example, oh, remember Christmas of 80-something, blah, blah, blah. And instantly, our ears will perk up and go, yes, I remember. Christmas morning, we played a board game. And we cooked breakfast together and had a great time. It just wasn't about the gift. It was more about the family dynamic. So I took that, and I did that with my son. Um, I gave him the things that I wasn't able to have, but I instilled in him the family aspect of the togetherness and he appreciates being with family more than than the materialistic things so i'm so you know so i'm pretty proud of that fact that you know like his mother and i really showed him the true you know value of the holidays it's just all about family all right well that's very heartwarming and disgusting um but yeah that's you know um it's very humbling and I'm glad, like, you have that, you know, that sense of family and appreciating each other because I have the exact opposite. I, I have three older brothers. When, between the four of us, we do not have good relationships. The only good relationship between the four of us is my oldest brother and myself. Him and I are completely alike to the near T. And... We talk to each other pretty much every day through Snapchat, whether it's just a simple meme or something, or we'll have full conversations. But when we're actually together, we'll talk more things in depth. 
But the two middle brothers, they don't talk to each other. They don't really talk to us. I know the one bro- one of the brothers, he has nothing to do with me over something petty. And then there's another brother. Him and I have just never been close. So my two older brothers are from my dad's first marriage. So just for a little bit of context there. But the second brother, him and I just never have been close. There hasn't been a lot of opportunities. There's a few good memories I have as a kid with him. But growing into adults, there's not a lot there. I mean, he served in the military. You know, he did a couple tours. I think two or three tours over in Afghanistan. And it's just, I don't, then he started a family early. So he has his own life. So whenever we get together, sure, we all drink and have fun. But I don't really think we have a lot in common. And it doesn't help that he didn't have the best relationship with our dad. So it's like very complicated. But, and even now, him and I don't talk to each other. I, I've tried. It just doesn't click. And when he talks to me, it seemed to me how I see it. He only wants to talk to me when he wants to come to Florida and stay at my house for free while he goes and enjoys like free the free tickets he was given to a theme park or he just wants a vacation and I just happen to be a place he can stay for free. So any other time he doesn't talk to me. So I've just given up where a few weeks ago when my oldest brother, his wife and his daughter were down here visiting for New Year's Eve. And our, my niece was like, oh, yeah, um, you know, my brother, her uncle, and her dad were talking about, oh, how we should all come together and come stay at Ashley's for a weekend and have fun. And I told her, I said, hey, next time you hear your uncle saying that, make sure you tell him when was the last time you even talked to your sister. I said, you, you know, she's, she can be, she's very respectful, but she knows when to be a smart ass. And I love that about her. So we're not together. I don't really have much family. So when I think of family, there's my brother, his kids, and my mom, and my grandmother. And that's it. You know, I mean, you know, obviously my husband, but I don't have cousins and aunts and uncles and all these things. So when it comes to the holidays, I don't have anybody. There's no big family dinners. There's never been that for me. There's no, like, so I'll see the videos of, oh, it's all about family. And... It's just, and I hate it. It's like, for me, it's like, ugh. It's, I guess, yes, there's a hint of jealousy there. But also, you know, I can't miss what I never really had at the same time. So it's a combination of both. While as my husband has the exact opposite, big old family, all loving, all together for the holidays. And he talks to his family every day on the phone. And I'm just like, hmm. So there's the bitterness because of jealousy, because I don't have that. And at the same time, I'm like, you go on superstar so it's good it's good to teach your son that and if I were to ever be unfortunate and give birth to offspring I don't want them to be materialistic either it's for me everyone's different how they raise their kids there's no judgment but again where I says I wish my parents didn't spend what money that they had and saved all year just to buy a bunch of toys I mean, in a way, I appreciate it, but I like the memories more. So for me, I have it in my mind, and I've had it like this for years. If I had a kid, when it came to, like, birthdays and Christmas, to me, you know, it can always change when you have a kid, I'm sure. But for me, at this moment, my mindset is it's three gifts. Something educational, something they need, and something they want. 
so none of it really can go to waste depending on what it is so two things they can definitely get a benefit of and the third thing is something they really wanted you know something for fun entertainment etc and that way they're not super materialistic and there's a benefit from it and they could be appreciative and go and do things together so that's why i like to travel i like to go out i like i like to experience the memories not necessarily the steps and not a dragon that has its hoard and i can agree with you now don't get me wrong uh you know family life wasn't perfect just like most um i've had bouts of not speaking with my sister for a quite a long period of time or my older brother or my mother We've had long bouts of, you know, despising one another for a brief period of time. And it just had to take something inside of us to realize that life is too short and that one of us can go at any moment, not, not to sound macabre, but just being realistic. So it took quite a bit of time for us to get on that same level to where we reach out to one another at least once, twice a week just to say hi or that we love each other or something of the sort. Now, to my son... Um, before he was born, um, at the time, my fiance, she had a son and a daughter. And I was a first-time father, not knowing what I was doing. So I helped raise her two kids just by taking some of my mother's uh, intuitions and teachings and incorporated that. Now, some of it worked, some of it didn't. But when I found out that my son was going to be born, I made a conscious decision that, you know, he's me he's my life he's my number one priority because my father passed before i was born and i made a commitment to myself that i would never leave him hanging high and dry um, you know my father's passing was unfortunate and so i wanted to be sure that as limited as my time is on this planet i want to be sure that i'm next to him showing him everything and teaching him everything that i know to you know shape him up to the man that he is today of course he's gonna fall a lot but he's going to pick himself back up and hopefully you know all the virtues that i instilled in him is going to stick around to that day um i'm i consider myself a good parent i consider myself a lucky parent i consider myself a blessed parent not perfect in the least bit you know i just take little bits of things that i've known and i and you know once again i just kind of mesh it you know with him and hopefully everything has worked out and it has for the most part so so, question about that, and of course, respecting your son's privacy, so you do not have to go into detail whatsoever. Um, now, for your son, with his age and stuff, have you dealt with teenage rebellion, the, the typical, you know, the attitudes, or, you know, sneaking out stuff? Like, has he gone through any type of teenage rebellion, or is it just the normal teenage stuff, or has he just been um, an angel, the complete, the complete run? Sarcastically speaking, he comes from me. So there is a sarcastic side. Um, once again, I'm going to use that term blessed. I have been very blessed that negative interaction between us has been very few and far in between. Of course, he's a teenager. Of course, he'll have that rebellious stage. And I've let him know at a very young age that as he gets older, the less he's going to want to speak to his father. And it's understandable because I went through that same phase with my mother. Because you're going to have to find your personality. You have to find out who you are and what your purpose is. So, you're, of course, you're going to gravitate towards you know other, other kids your age or teenagers your age. And you're going to try to gain that personality you know to stand out in the crowd or blend in with the crowd the less you the less thing you're going to want to do is reach out to your quote-unquote old man 
or your mother and asking for advice or get yourself in a situation to where you know you're nervous to talk to another adult and all I can do and all I have done is tell them since the age of good lord maybe 10 or 11 to say as life goes on keep an open communication tell me anything and everything will I be upset or disappointed maybe but we want to keep that line of communication open because I'd rather tell you something that I know and I've experienced versus some another child your age that you talk to has no idea you know what's going on and they try to give you the wrong advice I always say come talk to me even though you may not want to come talk to me nine times out of ten he does but if he does not it doesn't bother me because I know he's an exceptional team I put him on a pedestal like like all parents do but I'm a realist and I understand that he has to find his own way and I've been very lucky and blessed that you know he's been on a good path so far Oh, that's awesome. So, and you're definitely like one of the lucky few parents because everyone goes through the different demonic teenage. I was a demon teenager through and through. Uh, no, I had good grades and whatnot. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I just had the attitude. And I was kind of a loner because I got bullied at school a lot. So my problem was I was just, I just had an attitude to the extreme and very emotional too to where you know i actually ran away and it's not the typical oh i ran away to a few streets over i ran away to upstate new york from central florida that it was bad but i still don't regret it to this day and that is a story for another podcast but my next question to you is you know i'm going to ask you and if you're not sure i'm going to give you like two quick examples for me is there anything to the, like nowadays if you drink something if you eat a certain thing it kind of brings you like you have like a quick flashback of something as a child and it's like a happy memory for you oh absolutely and i'll go Apple back fritters. no i only think about you that's a, whole, that's a whole another story for a whole another show don't tell your husband um i think mainly this sounds pretty odd but spaghetti because growing up poor uh, my mother would make a humongous pot of spaghetti and that would last us for days and days and days. So when I eat spaghetti and I have a strong dislike for it only because we've had it for so much, you know, that takes me back, you know, to, to the stage of where life was very challenging. But on the positive, my mother would make deviled eggs and that would bring me back to when I was a kid and that brings me back to a good time in my life to where my mother is a tremendous cook and when she was in the kitchen you know it was her happiest time she would listen to her classic music and cooking and have us help out and eat food and the the gatherings that we would have just an intimate part of our family was just the food and you know and and then happiness that it brought us so my mom still makes deviled eggs to this day for special holidays birthdays just anything of the sort and once again we sit down and we just share memories well, we're definitely going to, I'm going to definitely bring, come back around to the spaghetti thing here in just a second. For me, I mean, there's a few, of course, but there's two prime ones I think about. The first one is, it's very rare I eat stuff that's sweet. I'm more of a savory person, but once in a while, I'll have like, an, I'll eat Oreos. And it's a, so for me, if I eat Oreos, it makes me think to when, when I was a kid, when my grandmother was still around. And out of the many times we moved, I went to a school that was closer to my grandmother's. So our the bus would drop me off at my grandma's, 
while my parents still worked, and they just picked me up when they got off work. And so when it would have used, I would come to her house after getting off, uh, off uh, from school, and she'd always have four Oreo cookies and a glass of milk waiting for me. And it was just be-sitting. She could tell, like, because, I mean, you can see all the kids walking down the road, her dirt road and stuff, so it wasn't hard to tell, but she'd always have it ready for me to come in and eat it before I got kicked out to go sit outside. But there was, my grandmother, there was nothing for kids to play with outside. There was a swing, and that's it. I mean, not even a child playground type of swing. It was the... You know, the two-seater, kind of like a bench that kind of rocks back and forth for old people. That's what it was. There was nothing else. So we weren't allowed to leave our toys there, anything. So it would be kids shouldn't be inside during the day. So it's, you know, hot as balls, Florida. Not much shade. Being, I had to sit outside for like a few hours until the sun was going down or my parents picked me up. That's how it was. Um, unless it was raining. And then if it was raining, I got to sit in this back room on this small little staticky TV and watch PBS kids like Dragon Tales or Liberty Kids. Liberty Kids, by the way, amazing. The second one is and it kind of, like it just happened the other day that brought it back for me. It's something I like to think of. I used to go to work with my dad a lot when he drove the semi. And what he always did every time we would stop by the gas station either it would be to fill the truck or i just had to pee because i'm a child i have a small bladder i try to only do it like once a day because i even then as a kid i didn't want to burden my dad so i'd always try to make sure i would hold it and do it just once a day but every time we stopped at a store he would always get me the sport bottle gatorade with a little twisty top for it and a bag of gummy worms or gummy bears but it was always gummy worms and that was what he'd always get me or i'd pick it out but that was always it it was never anything different and sure enough you know my husband doesn't buy gummy worms and stuff like that but uh i don't because i don't really like to eat them that much nowadays well i think it was earlier this week or last week i can't remember which day he went to the store and he's like oh do you want anything to drink Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was in the car. He went inside to go get the drink. I said, yeah, give me a Gatorade. And granted, it's always the typical bottles. You know, it's never the sport bottle because it's very rare to see those nowadays. Sure enough, he comes back, gets in the car, and there's the sport bottles. And it just, like, brought that memory back. I was a little teary-eyed because my dad's no longer here. But it was just, it was kind of cool to remember that feeling. Now, going back to spaghetti. Spaghetti is disgusting disgusting I love that little pause you gave it when you said it (laughs) It, okay I've never liked spaghetti I get from also coming from uh, a middle class and under type of home not having a lot of gourmet meal options and you kind of stick to what's the cheapest things to eat which is usually not usually the healthiest either thus you know childhood obesity for me Um, no I wasn't really a big kid anyway spaghetti i've never liked it i i definitely hated my grandmother's spaghetti and then i never like i don't like marinara sauce i guess it's really weird i like marinara sauce only for certain type of things um if i want to make a mozzarella and marinara dip to dip like bread in and stuff i can do that if it's 
for a pasta dish I make myself and not like a noodle pasta, something like with ricotta, like the stuffed shells, ricotta cheese, stuff like that. I can do it. If it's lasagna, I can do it. But when it comes to noodles and marinara sauce, for some reason, I can't do it. And and I'm not a texture person. I mean, people are like, oh, I don't like it because it's the texture. I don't care about texture. If it tastes delicious, I want to eat it. But I don't know. It's something about whether it's any type of noodle form and it's the marinara sauce. I just can't do it. So the most popular is always spaghetti. If someone offers any type of other pasta form, I can try to you know, pretend to like it or eat so much, so much, but for some reason, spaghetti, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, I will not eat it. I went to as far as being friends with kids, and the friend is like, oh, you should come stay the night, and it's going to be awesome because we're kids, and we like to do this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, let's totally do it, and they're like, yeah, my mom's making spaghetti, I'm like, oh, my mom said no. <laughs> I deliberately would make an excuse to not go to a friend's if I knew their parents were making spaghetti because I don't want to be rude, the rude kid. I don't want to say no. I'm also afraid to ask for a glass of water because I'm thirsty, even if they ask me and I'm like dying of dehydration. I'm like, no, thanks, I'm good. It, it's, but no spaghetti. I, I, there's, it just, if I go to a parent's house and they're serving spaghetti, and I'm going to be making those faces and it's going to be rude and disrespectful. And I'm like, listen, spaghetti's disgusting. Oh, sweetie, but you have to try mine. Mine's delicious. Uh, no, fuck you, Sharon. I hate spaghetti. It's disgusting. <laughs> now, what's, what's really bizarre is uh, my fiance, my ex-fiance, uh, she was a culinary chef. And she can cook anything. And she made me uh, chicken alfredo, you know, pasta and whatnot. And well, my loathem of spaghetti quickly change because she'll make fettuccine alfredo and that was my go-to i could suffer through that because of you know because of the fettuccine which is really bizarre so i just really had to add that in so i can have that anytime anyone cares to make it for me i will gladly eat it uh, but please continue no 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 that's so it's you like like fettuccine alfredo but it's still you don't like spaghetti at the same time correct absolutely so what do you eat things like pizza like pizzazz, um, <laughs> pasta, uh, penne, penne, I don't know what it's called, but like, or mac, like, because obviously macaroni and cheese is noodles, but macaroni and cheese is different. Um, but like anything that's like a sauce and noodles. Uh, yes, uh, mainly like uh, angel hair pasta, um, something like that. It's still the spaghetti aspect of it, the tomato sauce, the meatballs, or whatever. Oddly enough, I can cook it but I just can't eat it because it brings back those certain memories, no matter how good it tastes. It's, you know, uh, it's a really weird subconscious thing, you know, um, that we have, so. I think for me, it's the meat in it, it because I don't like meatballs. I don't like meatball subs. I don't, it's the beef with that sauce. I think it, even now, I'm just like, huh. I, I don't like it. My husband loves meatball subs. Uh, I have friends that eat it, and I just don't like the smell of it. So, again, I can do marinara sauce to a certain, like, depending on what it is. But I'm very picky. I prefer the white sauce to the red sauce. Um, and I'm white. I might come off as racist. I'm canceled already. Oh, no. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> with, but, yeah, I, a lot of times my grandmother's, I don't know what the hell she put in her marinara. It would be, you know, beef. It would be, like, peppers and all these different types of vegetables mixed in it, I guess. And... I've never really liked peppers, even to this day, I can eat peppers, but it depends how it's cooked. 
again, I'm not a super picky person, but certain things. So it would be like my pastas, the marinara, uh, peppers and onions. So peppers and onions, I want them cooked. I mean, they need to be cooked and sauteed to the most fiery pits of hell sauteed and cooked through. If there's any type of rawness to it still, I don't want to eat it. I just, I can't do it. But again, it super cooks through and there's not like a mountain of onion and peppers in it, I'll eat it. If it's like lightly there, it's there as just an addition, not as the main part, I, I can eat it still. So it's weird. Food is weird. It's like you can eat some things when it's one way, but then when it's another, it's like, nope, won't do it. Oh, I fully understand that. Actually, I'm curious. What is your favorite dessert? Oh, God. Oh, no, no, there's nothing about this. Cookies and cream ice cream all day. Cookies and cream. That is, I just, it started off with the ice cream trucks when I was a kid. And they have what's called, you know, the blizzard. The little tiny cup and those Oreos and side vanilla ice cream and a tiny little cup. And they called it the blizzard. So for years, I always considered, called it blizzard ice cream. And I was probably maybe 12 or 13, 14, who knows, when they're like, no, it's called cookies and cream. I'm like, no, that's a blizzard. Hello. I know what I'm talking about. Look at me. I'm chunky. I definitely know what I'm talking about. And <laughs> so, yeah, cookies and cream, nearly anything. Someone's like, oh, it's a cookies and cream ice cream cake. It's a candy bar. It's ice cream with a milkshake. Almost every time I go order a milkshake or ice cream, it's nine times out of ten, cookies and cream. That hands down favorite dessert. Or apple pie comes to a second. It is like a second. Um, but what about you? Are you a basic bitch like me? Absolutely. And I'll do a rapid fire quick three. <laughs> and, you, and you will definitely snicker at this. I have cookies and cream ice cream in my free, in my freezer right now. Oh, yeah. Um, and second one is cheesecake with strawberry topping. Uh, my good friend Becky makes a tremendous cheesecake with strawberry topping. I can eat that all day and go into diabetic shock. Um, and third, strawberry ice cream. Simple, basic, it does a point. My mom used to uh, frown upon strawberry ice cream because she would have her Briar's butter pecan ice cream, which nobody can touch. And one day she brought home strawberry ice cream, did not like it, I took it, I devoured it. I think I gained about five pounds that evening. You know something, I never liked strawberry ice cream until about a year ago. Why so? I, I don't know. I just, like growing up as a kid, I just wanted my vanilla ice cream. I didn't want chocolate. I didn't want strawberry. I, if it wasn't blizzard or vanilla, I didn't want it. And so I, my mom, you know, the, the ice cream buckets that came with all three flavors, my mom would have to be very careful to make sure she didn't put any chocolate or strawberry because I'm like, look, nope, don't want it. I mean, I would still eat it. It wasn't that I was the type of kid. I didn't like it. I'm not going to eat it. No, she made it for me. I'm going to eat it. And there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. But my mom would be as careful as she could to not because she knew I didn't like it. Um, so I don't know. I guess like because my husband likes chocolate and strawberry ice cream too. So when I get the ice cream and I do, and I would scoop the ice cream out, and if I had some strawberry in it, I don't know. I would eat it with that. I'm like, huh? It's really not that bad. I over exaggerated as a child. This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like mind blown over strawberry ice cream, but I can eat it. It's delicious. Strawberry cheesecake, you're there. But most cheesecakes can be very sweet and rich, and so I don't like to eat those that much because it's very rare I'll find a cheesecake that has a perfect balance. And I'm not just eating it and like 
you know, my face twisting up for how sweet it is. I like that. And as we slowly put a close to the show, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Who is Ashley Majestic and what does the root of all Ashley mean to you? God damn it, Adriana. Wait, no. Okay. Who is Ashley Majestic? Uh, a clusterfuck of a mess that has that just really, you know, thinks of things as she goes along. Doesn't really have much of a plan. She tries to, but does not. So yeah, I'm just kind of a mess. I'm all over the place. Uh, I talk super fast when I'm very passionate. And I was critiqued and punished and bullied by Adrian before recorded. He yelled at me and said that I was never allowed to podcast again if I talked super fast. He said a lot of insults about my mom. I mean, some were true, but the fact that he still did it, he kicked a puppy, um, threw a kitten into the river. So, you know, he's that type of person. And then the root of all Ashley... I'm still figuring it out what it means to me. I guess in a way, it's a good, it's a way to just talk and get things off my chest and just be, just being able to talk about things and obviously sharing it with you. So someone to go back and forth with. So I like that. But the root of all Ashley, you know, play on the root of all evil because I can be chaotic. Um, so yeah, the episodes are, there's, there's a plan. There's an idea I would like to talk about. And it never goes that way. It never does, which is awesome. I don't, I wouldn't, you know, have it any way different. But yeah, so I guess, I guess that's it. <laughs> that is a perfect answer, and it is awesome. So, what else do you have for, for this show as we go on? Uh, this, this is your show. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is literally what the rest of the show is going to be. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Well, obviously, you know, the two mottos, the original motto is don't be a dick. And the newly adopted motto is, you know, ho is life. And, but, uh, yeah. So, if you're ready to end it, I have one thing to say, and then we can sign off. Do you have any parting words? Absolutely. This is the root of all, Ashley. This is your show. We go for as long as you wish to. We end the show whenever you wish to. This is show number three in the books. It's been a very, very conversation-heavy show um, that we have opinions. We share opinions. We may not agree on everything, but it is good to have open lines of communication because that gives awareness to people about who we are, what we're passionate about, and what the show is about. And, and I thoroughly enjoy it. This is different from Cerberus. This is different from the Walker HC experience. This is different from One You Talk Show with Katina Piper. This is different from all the other shows that is part of this uh, little universe. You poor, poor fools that are still listening, by the way. I'll say it every, po- every, every episode. You poor, poor fools. <laughs> and it, so. is, it is a pleasure to have you back i will say it each and every single show we do it is a pleasure to have you back it has been way too long and this this podcast means a lot you know for the growth of this whole thing that we do and i believe it's a very very good sounding board for you all right well adriana if you're ready i'm ready to end the show but with just one final question for you 
Absolutely. All right. Do you know why garbage men don't require, don't need any training? Why? Because they pick things up as they go along. Good night, everybody.